Well, 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 well. Good evening, morning, afternoon, whatever it is where you are. Welcome to the program. Uh, good afternoon to Facebook Live. Uh, this is Smoking and Toasting. It's the program that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. Welcome to show number 68 with Casa Fernandez in the casa right here uh, in our studios. Pretty and, excited about that. And welcome to my good friend and co-host, Mr. Ian Barry. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Yeah? You having a good week? I did. I went and had lunch with a friend of mine who's uh, uh, recovering from heart surgery, actually, today. Wow. He's pretty excited about getting up and about. And, I bet. Um Say hi to Keith. You've actually met him. He's come and hung out with us oh, uh, before. Oh, uh, yeah, Keith, right, Keith's right. very cool. So I'm amazed that he is less than two weeks out of heart surgery. So you took him for a bacon sandwich? And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he actually went and had a pork chop. But, <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> but, yeah, he's up and uh, up and moving already, and uh, he's expected to be driving again in the next week or two. Hopefully. I mean, he's you know pretty excited, looking great at it. That's so. awesome. Glad that was good. Glad he's doing well. Our show is brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston. And open now in the shop set Clear Fork in Fort Worth. I spoke with our boy uh, Jeremiah this week. We are planning, uh, we haven't locked the date down yet, but we are planning a January road trip. And uh, we'll be uh, doing the show live from the B&B in Fort Worth. So that's that going to be very exciting. So it's exciting. brand new. And uh, you know, check out their bar menu and all that that means. And uh, they do have, I don't know if it's exactly laid out the way the Houston location is, because we haven't been yet, but uh, they do have an area with, that is, you know, designed to facilitate yeah, and, and, and cigars. In so. the worst case scenario, the menu is exactly the same and we get bacon. And we get bacon, yes, because, that's, <laughs> again, that's one of the most important things in life is the bacon at uh, B&B. It's just, you know, trust us. I uh, want to say uh, thanks again to our special guest last week, Mr. Rocky Patel. Uh, made for a great show and it was great to have Rocky on. And we're not slowing down because this week we're excited to welcome uh, Mr. Paul Palmer from Casa Fernandez. Paul, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm oh, to be here. let's make sure we get that mic a little closer to him because I don't want to miss I don't want to miss any of the audio. There we go. Uh, and we might want to crank his his up just a touch. So, uh, Paul, first of all, uh, welcome to Smoking and Toast. And and you were in Houston. Are you here doing cigar events? Are you doing visits? What uh, what what brings you to H Town? Uh, we're doing a lot of visits, meeting with a lot of our customers, and uh, you know something that we do regularly. You know, we we're with our customers a lot. Right, and you, uh, you guys are, are I, I want to make sure I'm not saying this wrong, but you guys are a very retail-friendly kind of uh, kind of cigar company, aren't you? That's correct. Because that's what JFR, which is one of the just for cigars retail, you make, yeah, that's, that's right. a just for retail uh, brand, which was designed not to be. Although I guess you can probably find it some places online if they go out and find them and resell them. But uh, but is designed not to be one of those online offerings, but designed to really help the brick and mortar uh, shops. Is that right? That's right. It started in uh, 2005 in California. Yeah. With a high tobacco tax. Um, today we have in about 2,000 stores. And we constantly police, you know, some of the customers that uh, just conveniently put it online. Right. So uh, it is just for retail. And it's a premium grade A product grown by Aganorsa. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we do very well with it. I've uh, bought a number of them from our friends uh, up the street here at Casa de Monte Cristo, yeah, yeah. Uh, which uh, used to be Series Cigars. Mm -hmm. And uh, th that was where I, I think I found my first one, and I found them to be absolutely delicious. I mean, very rich yes. and full-flavored, uh, but without being too heavy. You know, I actually reviewed one of the JFRs over the summer. That's uh, right. I remember just that. Just recently, because... Um, 
I, I'm in a, a group that does a road trip every year, and we go out to uh, the west side of Texas and, and float down the river. I don't know if you're familiar with this whole phenomenon. But you sit on a, a an inner tube and get good and drunk while you're floating down the river for hours baking in the sun. It's actually a pretty good time. More exciting than it sounds. But uh, I picked up one of these uh, Lunatic 8x80s, I think it is, the Mambo. Yes, we call that the Mambo. <clears throat> you know, Lunatic is a brand that we had fun with, uh, came up with a name that, you know, uh, was kind of catchy. Yeah. And then um, we have a customer advisory board of about 10, you know, of our longtime customers, and they help us with what we should do. Uh, the first thing that we were asked to do was to create the 8x80 Mambo. It is a San Andreas wrapper. And it sells retail for eight dollars and you know eighty cents. Great bank that for, yeah. for a cigar that big, yeah. Yeah, and what's unique about that cigar, besides that it's Aganorsa tobacco and it's on Andres wrapper, is that um, you know you uh, it's got fourteen leaves of tobacco, and uh, for you know for a cigar with an eighty ring gauge, we were asked to make a belicoso. A belicoso is like a torpedo head mm -hmm. on it. So when you cut the head of the cigar, it's not really an 80 trunk, tree trunk type right, so cigar. It's, so it's more yeah, manageable. So it comes down yeah. to about, you know, it comes down to usually, you know, 60, maybe 66. But it's very, it's very popular. Yeah. Uh, we never thought that, you know, that uh, it would do as well as it does. <laughs> well, one of the beautiful things about it is when you're sitting on the river, you don't want to bring anything extra that you don't have to. And right. everything you have is going to get wet if you know it's not immediately in your hands. And this cigar smoked, I think, for almost three hours. <laughs> That's about right. Nonstop. That's no so relight great. and no That's so great. no uh, runs or anything like that. I was right. amazed. Yeah, wow. it's a it's a long filler cigar with fourteen leaves of tobacco. That's crazy. Wow. Awesome. Wow. And is it harder to blend? A huge ring gauge like that than it is to blend, you know, say a forty-eight or a fifty or a fifty-two. Well, you know, in blending, uh, you start, you know, the the format that you start with is probably a six by fifty, mm -hmm. and then you go up and down on ring gauges. Oh no, I didn't with know a, that. So you, yeah. so that's kind of like that's the your standard. That's your control. So, right. Yeah. So in answer yeah. to your question, to get the same blend on a six by fifty as as you do with a bigger ring gauge, you know, it just requires the expertise right you know, somebody now, who really knows what they're doing in yeah, the blending the, you know the knows yeah. the attributes of the leaf mm -hmm. uh you don't want an eight by 80 very strong because you'll pass out after a third of it <laughs> right so, exactly so yeah, the, right. the mambo you know the mambo is um you know is is designed to be a texas style t-bone steak mm -hmm. you know right, i mean right. it is it is just very very flavorful it is a three-hour smoke although the record is a is an hour and 45 minutes oh but as i say wow. we crush it we never thought we would but we we sell a lot of it well and you're the cigar of yours that i uh, really have uh, become a big fan of is the miami yes uh and the miami uh we were talking about how um this this cigar used to have the band with the F on it. Yes. Uh, and it, has that size been retired or just the packaging changed? Just the packaging changed. Okay. Um, you know, there was a lot of confusion with a couple other brands that were in the market that had an F. Mm -hmm. uh, Fernandez is our name. Uh, the little factory in Miami, <clears throat> excuse me, with um, eight or nine Cuban Class 7 Master Rollers, 
makes only Fernanda cigars. Wow. So we moved to the oval. We put Miami in the middle. Yeah, because this cigar is actually it's actually put together. It's constructed in Miami, correctly. It's all like an orchard leaf, and we mm-hmm. make uh, we make about seventeen hundred cigars a day, plus or minus, depending on the size. And uh, you know, it's very limited on production. Mm-hmm. You guys have a great little slogan too, the from uh, from seed to ash. Yeah, that's one of the slogans that we created initially, when mm-hmm. uh, you know we've always been growers, but seed to ash really signifies that. You know, we grow tobacco. That tells the whole story. And yeah. then ash is the cigar. So C dash right. means essentially vertically integrated. Now, do you find that there's, uh, you mentioned already the confusion with the F, but do you find that there's confusion with you guys and AJ Fernandez? Because there's no, there's no connection, right? Other than Fernandez being a pretty popular name in Cuba, well, right? Well, the connection is that AJ and, and uh, Casa Fernandez Aganorsa. We're good friends. Okay. The only thing we have in common from a business perspective is the last name, which is Fernandez, right. Right. which is like Smith in Spanish. Right. Uh, so that's that's really the only connection. Is there confusion? Yes. Uh, so you know, this year you'll see us, you know, make some some changes strategically to where there's not so much confusion with the with the Fernandez and Fernandez. And you guys not only do obviously the Miami, which is all rolled in the U.S. and and uh, the JFR, but you also are involved in uh, putting some uh, cigars together for other brands. Is that right? Yes. I mean, our you know what we're known for is really growing tobacco and blending cigars. Mm-hmm. Uh, we make, <clears throat> excuse me, we make probably fourteen of the big brands in the industry, and we market wow. about just fourteen. Yeah, yeah. not not that many. <laughs> yeah, awesome. the big big brands, and then we market about fourteen to sixteen of our own. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a factory in Miami, which is Casa Fernandez. Miami, mm-hmm. and then we have another factory in uh, Nicaragua, okay. which is called Tabsa. Right. Uh, Tabsa is really for the high volume brands we make, like JFR and some of the you know some other high volume that we couldn't handle in Miami. Now, Nicaraguan <coughs> tobacco has really become, I feel like in the last couple of years, has become almost the uh, the gold standard. In fact, I you know I I was talking to somebody about this the other day, and I said. Of the last, I don't know, 10 Cubans I've smoked, comparing them to the last 10 Nicaraguan cigars that I've smoked, or cigars primarily made from Nicaraguan tobacco, I got to say that the Nicaraguans are A, more consistent, and B, I feel like they can be just as good. Maybe not every cigar every time. I, I, I don't know. That may be blasphemy to some. What do you think? Well, as a grower uh, in Nicaragua... We, far, we have farms, tobacco farms, in Jalapa Valley, mm-hmm. which is most like Pinar de Rio in Cuba. It's red sandy soil. Right. We also have two farms in Condega Valley, which is where we grow the most criollo. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have two farms in Esteli. Esteli is black volcanic soil, and that's where you get the power. Right. Now, depending on which, you know, Cuban farmer or Cuban expert, um, you know, in the business— uh, Nicaragua is most like uh, Cuban tobacco than any other place in the world. And, and it is, is it just because of the soil having more similarities in that region? Is it's that why? It's the soil, it's the climate, uh, it's the weather, you know, it's a lot of things that go into it. Uh, you know, it is agriculture, mm-hmm. so you're subjected to the weather. And we have, you know, we have, uh, you know, retired Cuban farmers that. You know, maintain our farms. 
Wow. And That's so uh, cool. they've been, you know, they've <laughs> they've been on staff since about 1991. That's great. And so that's what we do. I mean, these folks, they live, eat, and breathe tobacco. We are going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to ask you a little more about tobacco, particularly about blending tobacco, and uh, just talk a little bit more about your blends. And we're going to taste our first craft beer. It is a Cerveza Por Favor from uh, 903. So that's coming up. There you up. go. Welcome back to Smoking and Toasting. If we are, uh, if we're anything, we're uh, we're excited because uh, we've got a, a very special guest, Paul Palmer from Casa Fernandez, is in the house today. He's going to taste beers with us, and I just wanted to, we have our mic up for uh, for uh, Facebook Live, right? Okay, just making sure, because uh, I know we were messing with it during the break. So, um, nice to have you guys uh, listening to the show. We are brought to you by uh, the fine folks at B&B Butchers and Restaurant in uh, Houston at 1814 Washington Ave and in the shops at Clear Fork in uh, Fort Worth. Um, Paul is here with us. He is the uh, the president of uh, Casa Fernandez. What, is, what does the president do, like, on a... On a Monday, like what? What does a day look like for you running a company like uh, Casa Fernandez? I'm a chief cook and bottle washer. <laughs> so a little bit of everything. <laughs> huh? Do you ever get in involved in actually doing the cigar blending yourself, Absolutely. or do you have yeah. people to do that for you? Or how does that no, work? I'm, no, we we do that ourselves. We have blending roundtable. Mm, oh, and, nice. Uh, you know, with cigars, it's not like you create a blend today, and you're not constantly validating. Every time you get a shipment or market or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Because it's an organic product, and you know it's it's uh, complicated. It's like right, a chemistry right. experiment because, you know, with all of our farms, you might have five to seven lots of land on that farm. They they can abut each other and be totally different as far as blending attributes. Mm-hmm. And then from harvest to harvest, it is the blender's responsibility to make sure that blends the same. You know, that what you smoked last year, last month, this week, a month from now. So that's where, you know, that's where the, uh, you know, the blenders get really involved. I'm I'm always amazed at how a blender can take an organic product like a tobacco leaf that's going to change. Like right. from season to season, every time it's going to change. And consistently create the same flavor profile in a cigar. And you said earlier you start from a 6x50 uh, Toro. And that's your standard, and then you move up and down sizes from there. So not only do you have the differences in um, all the the organic side of, it, I mean, the, you're you're a chef, so you have to take these ingredients and create the same thing out of different ingredients all the time. But then you have to make that happen in different sizes as well. That's just fascinating to me. Yeah, I mean, you know, as far as validating the leaf, um, you know, we put aside probably ten percent of our entire harvest, and we use it for our brands and our private brands. And, um, you know, I can tell you that in the curing process, the bale may be three to five years old, and you're constantly tasting that bale through, through the aging process. Hmm. So, you know, maybe a lot in a farm that you used on the last production, it may stay consistent to what the attribute is that you want, or it may change, and you change with it. I've seen photos in, you know, the cigar magazines and stuff of... Um, It'll be like a, a roller or, or a, a blender who is who has lit a leaf, an unrolled leaf of tobacco, and is smelling it. Can you actually tell something about what that tobacco is going to be like in in a blend from from doing that, or is that really just a photo op? Well, there's probably two things that you've seen as far as lighting. One is that you take the leaf and 
you know, you light the leaf to see how that leaf is burned and to see whether that leaf is thoroughly ready as far as combustion mm-hmm. and everything else. Right. And the other is a tabaquito. That's a little cigar that's just, you're tasting out of that bale. So it's just that leaf. That's just that leaf in uh-huh. that bale. So, you know, if, you know, if a particular blend calls for, you know, specific farm, region, seed, whatever, you know, you want to you wanna smoke, you know, some of that bale to make sure that you're still spot on mm-hmm. as far as what you're going to use in the next production. you got to taste your ingredients. you you, you got to yeah. taste your ingredients separately to know what they'll be like when you blend it. And then I can only imagine, let's say you, let's say you uh, come up with, uh, you know, just a killer Miami. Now it's next year. Now you're bringing the next crops of tobacco in. You're having to go and try to recreate the same taste the same flavor with with tobaccos that are going to be different like obviously a lot of that is to the talent of the blender but how do you do it do you smoke it and go well we're not quite there we need more of this well it's you know up front it's a little simpler than that right and let me just talk to that if we think that you know miami reserva is good for a hundred thousand cigars conceptually we put enough tobacco aside to hit for those hundred sound for that hundred thousand cigars. Gotcha. No, gotcha. for that production. For that production. You know, right, so right. that production may be two years, whatever. But the reason why Aganorsa Farms can maintain the integrity of the blend is that we have so much tobacco. Mm-hmm. So you know, each brand is specified by what you think the total production is going to be. Right. And then you maintain it as time goes on, but you're constantly working off of some tobacco that was validated up front on the original blend. Got it. That that does make some wow. sense. Yeah. That does make some sense. But then you think of like tobacco blends that have been, you know, a particular cigars that have been around forever. Uh, like a, a, you know, like say a Fuente <clears throat> Hemingway uh, short story, for example. Right, right. Like, how do they go back to that? Or and is it just my imagination? Or have I had some that haven't been as good as others that I've had? Well, you know, that is the blender's responsibility to make sure that behind the scenes, you know, he is tweaking and doing whatever possible to make sure that the cigar that you smoke today is the same way you've the same cigar that right. you smoked 10 times before. Right. And I mean, you, you said, Ian, uh, a lot like being a chef, and I guess that really yeah, is what it is, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, talking about blending, um, you know, probably the best analogy, which I use all the time, that is that, you know, blending is like, you know, it's a, it's a two-prong approach. It's just like um, getting your car worked on. Mm-hmm. So you have the mechanic that's turning the wrenches. Who is the roller? The roller doesn't know anything about the blend. All he knows is how to how construct to put it together. Yeah, how to right. construct a cigar sequentially mm-hmm. to come up with that. You know, to come up with that blend. Right. And then you have the blender who's who's giving you know the roller um, you know the tobacco to use, and he's constantly trying the cigar during production to make sure that that blend is spot on. And of course, during production, that cigar is not going to have. Exactly the same flavor that it's going to have, you know, six, nine, ten months from now when it's, you know, aged and is ready to be sold, right? Well, the tobacco that we use for our brands is, um, you know, it is aged four to five years as far as binder and filler. This is before it's rolled? Yes. Yes, okay. Yeah. So what you're referring to is the, you know, the common of a sick period. You know, we do right. rolling events. We don't have a sick period. 
You okay. Know? And then as far as a wrapper, it's aged three to four years, depending on the particular wrapper. Okay. So you you know you have to start out with good tobacco right. to make a good cigar. <laughs> right. But you know, talk more about blending. It's just you know, it's like a car. You know, you got the the roller that's turning the wrenches, and you have the blender who's a technician who's diagnosing and making sure that the car is running right when you receive it. That's just fascinating. <laughs> that's just fascinating to me. And it's so, an it's an iterative process. It doesn't right. stop. And it's it's <clears throat> much like I guess uh, you know uh, cooking or like the whole you know auto business in that it really is an art and a science like there's, there, there's art to an end science is there different styles of rolling for different blends uh or is that or like there's just different styles of rolling for different uh, sizes of cigars and things like that well um you know in the mechanics of rolling you know you will have one roller that's excellent on lanceros Okay. Or he's excellent on figurados, or he's excellent on uh, bellicosos torpedoes, and then you'll have right. the other guy that is just fantastic on the, you know, on the Churchills, Toros, Robusos, that kind of thing. So, you know, you, you know, you you choose the rollers that are optimum on that particular size. Right. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then you know, when a roller's been with you for quite some time, then you start take them to the next level. Take mm-hmm. him to the next level would be maybe, you know, making, um, you know, the Monnier, you know, which is, uh, you know, it's uh, nine and a quarter by 47. Extremely hard to make. Mm-hmm. The Lancero, the Salomon, the Diadema, all those sizes are Those maestros. are tougher, yeah. Those are right. maestro sizes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, uh, you know, we really focus on the mechanics, you know, besides the actual blending properties because, you know, to get to the blend Fifty percent of it is construction. So you buy with your eyes. The cigar's got to look good. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got to draw. If you don't have a, if you don't have a good draw, forget it. Yeah. You're right. out of business. So there's five. You know, there's five real areas where you focus on, but construction is fifty percent of getting to the blend. That totally makes sense to me. And there's nothing more frustrating, by the way, than trying to smoke a cigar that's maybe too tight and won't draw, but you can sense that it's got good tobacco in there and you really want to taste it. Well, yeah, although it's back to your mechanic, uh, uh, your mechanic uh, uh, comparison there is it doesn't matter how what the specs are on the car if it doesn't run you know you have to right (laughs) if the right stuff isn't hooked up the right way it's not going to (laughs) run ian we've got just a moment left in the segment let's let's taste this beer this is we've tasted 903's amber before and really liked it as i recall and so i picked up a uh, a can of their uh cerveza por favor which is their uh their attempt to do a mexican style lager and And i know why you picked it up too i'm looking at the label on this you know i'm a sucker for that yeah it's got the uh, label here let's put it up it's got the Day of the Dead-looking guy there. Go. Yeah, yep. It, uh, now, it, it, of course, it's, it's actually cold here today, and I, this is really almost more of a summery beer, so I'm, I'm hoping this will put us in a... Yeah, it may uh, be cold outside, but at least it's wet and rainy. A summery kind of mood, <laughs> yes. Yes. What does it say on, on the car, uh, the can? It goes well with... It says something. Maybe it's on the other side well, of the let can. Let me put my little reading glasses oh, on. Oh, yeah, you've got those fancy reading glasses. Now. Yep. Pairs well with street tacos, queso fresco, and pool floaties. Okay, and so it's not really a pool floaty time of the year, but I'll still go for the street tacos or the queso fresco. Street tacos is a new term, by the way, for tacos. Right. Have you noticed that restaurants have put street oh, tacos, put street tacos in. instead yeah, yeah. of just 
tacos now because yeah. that's a thing. That's a thing. They can uh, they can go. It's just like getting them from a food truck. Only these are seventeen ninety five. That's right. <laughs> so uh, not a lot on the nose with this, but uh, but a really nice uh, sort of a cerveza flavor. Uh, I guess is the best way I can describe this it. This is almost exactly what I expect from the packaging. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not bad. It's it's a nice flavor. Mm-hmm. I certainly prefer it to the uh, the sort of big uh, the big beer version of uh, Mexican lager. There's that. There's mm-hmm. this definitely has more flavor, and mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of putting lime or lemon in my beers in the first place. Right. So um, I don't know how it would taste with that, and I can't even tell you. <laughs> mm. But you know the way it is, this is drinkable. It's thirst quenching, though. I like that. It, it is definitely a thirst quenching, and it seems like it's got almost even a little extra carbonation. If you, uh, it's pretty carbonated. Yeah, it came it out very uh, carbonated. Pretty fuzzy. So. All right, more beer to taste uh, on the program. Plus, uh, I have brought along some titanium añejo tequila, and we'll be tasting that on the program as well. So we've got this got this good theme running through mm, today. Tequila. You're listening to Smoking and Toasting. Welcome back, my friends. It's Smoking and Toasting, Craft Beer, Fine Spirits, and Hand-Rolled Cigars. It's show number 68. We got uh, Casa Fernandez in the house, and we are uh, very excited about that. We also want to recognize our sponsors, B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston, and now open in the shops at Clear Fork in uh, Fort Worth as well. Uh, We will be tasting a little more beer. We have some tequila to taste and uh, kind of a sad week. In the cigar industry, as uh, uh, Jose Patron uh, passed away, the uh, the grandfather of Patron cigars, rest his soul. And, uh, yeah, I believe he was ninety three years old. Ninety one. So ninety one. Thank you for the correction. I appreciate that. Uh, so, so you know, it's kind of a sad thing. How how tight knit is the cigar community? Would you say, uh, Paul? Is it is is uh, is everybody kind of friends, or does competition kind of get in the way of that or how would well, you describe it i would describe it in a couple of words yeah uh amigos and amigos huh. which means friends and enemies friends and enemies yeah so we all get along you know uh orlando padron was a a good friend a good customer mm-hmm. um you know he he is uh you know he is one of the reasons why nicaraguan cigars are best in class and mm-hmm. it's been one of the highest rated cigars for 20 years right and uh you know he came from pinat de rio and you know we can't say enough good things about him yeah yeah he, i think he definitely will be missed and he it really was an innovator when it came to uh bringing nicaraguan uh cigars really into the spotlight as far as uh, as far yes. as people were concerned i think and uh, and and they make some great cigars and you guys do business with them as well is that right Yes. Or you have at least yeah, in the we, past? Do, we do leaf business with them. We leaf business with them. So that's so interesting to me how interdependent the cigar industry can be. And now you see some of the guys, you know, a guy will get, uh, his name will get hot as a, a blender or a roller. And then suddenly he's doing cigars, you know, for other brands that aren't his brand. It's just, it's just really interesting to see. So I've often wondered, like, how, how friendly is it? But it's like, I think it's like you said. Yeah. 
your your friends and your enemies and everybody kind of keeps each other close. Would that yeah. be accurate? That'd be accurate. <laughs> that's good. To, that's good to know. How many cigars did you say that you guys do of uh, of your own of Casa Fernandez each year? What's your what's your annual production? Well, I mean, we make uh, you know the Miami production is in the thousands, mm-hmm. and the uh, Nicaraguan production is in the millions. Okay. Wow. Yeah. In the millions. Wow. That, that's got to be um, something that requires a great deal of attention when you're making that many cigars to keep your quality level consistent. How do you, how, is it, how do, you do that? Is, is it the structure of how many people you have overseeing uh, the blending and the rolling? How do, how do you guys make sure things stay online? Well, uh, we mentioned, or I mentioned, um, you know, rollers and blenders. Mm-hmm. Uh, within that group, you have supervisors. And you have to employ and contract the best in class in each group, mm-hmm. whether it be roller, blender, uh, supervisors. So, you know, we have a lot of supervisors. They're constantly checking the cigars that are being rolled and also smoking the cigars for blend integrity. Mm-hmm. Constant. You know, it's a, it's a constant thing. And then after the cigars, you know, are manufactured, then, you know, it, it goes through another review, another validation. Mm-hmm. When I get the cigars uh, in Miami, which is our, you know, our warehouse of importation, I'm validating again. That's so great. when the customer receives the car, uh, the cigar, um, you know, it has to be spot on. Right. You know? Because I mean, this is your, if if I if I buy one of these, this is the uh, what is this with the A? This is the one we were talking this about. This is them. Secreto Serrate. Okay, so if I go and buy one of these and it looks good to me in the store, you know, okay, I'm going to try it. You basically really only have one shot to to determine whether that's something I'm going to buy again. So, which is why what I would think makes the business so tricky. It's like you've got to be that consistent because yeah. if that one cigar is one out of a box of twenty that is off just a little bit that may not be anything that i go back and and purchase because i may not know that generally well, every, everyone remembers that, the yeah. negative like oh i bought one of those once <laughs> right yeah i didn't like it very much yeah right and that's gonna <laughs> you're, that's, right. you're right that's yeah. a tough one that's your well, I mean, the, you know the the goal in packaging or presentation is for the cigar to jump out and say buy me mm-hmm. now i can tell you you know in the business you have to uh, provide consistency mm-hmm. in the blend, excellence, you know, in the actual construction of the cigar. It's that that allows you to create a long-term brand. Mm-hmm. The worst thing you can do is have a cigar where the first production was very good, and then after that, um, and then after that, the uh, the blend became different, inconsistent. Yeah, it's it's just interesting to me to watch um, how people who are so involved in the industry to watch them walk through a humidor. You know what I mean? Like yeah. at at a cigar shop or something. Do you? Uh, do you, is it part of your job to smoke the competition from Absolutely. time to time? And well, I mean, it's not by design, but 
I smoked the competition for a couple of reasons. That can be taken a couple of ways. You know, I, I <laughs> yes. smoked the competition for a couple of reasons. One is that, you know, we're a very large leaf grower in Nicaragua. Right. Uh, probably the biggest, uh, specializing in only Nicaragua. That's where mm-hmm. our farms mm-hmm. are. And you've probably already smoked our leaf. Didn't even know it. Right, right. So I know some of those brands that are leaf buyers, and I'm always curious as to how they put together the blend using our leaf. That's mm-hmm. the first thing. Right. Um, the other thing is that if you see a cigar that's super hot, you know, super hot as far as sales in the stores, you know, you always kind of wonder why. Right. What so, is it about yeah, that cigar yeah. that's making and people? And then, yeah. you know, sometimes it's just as simple as marketing. Mm-hmm. You know, we're... You know, we're champions of growing tobacco and blending cigars, but the reality is that we're not very good at marketing, you know? So that's, you know, that's something, you know, brand awareness and marketing has always been like our challenge. Right. So what I'm getting at is that some of those cigars that you smoke that are just super hot, you know, as far as sales, you smoke and you go, I don't know. It's not my. It's, it's <laughs> right, not my right, palate, right, right? But the exactly. packaging is just fantastic. Speaking of <laughs> right. speaking of palates, um, I I was uh, we were talking to um, uh, someone I don't remember now who <coughs> was, who told us that even though guys like us have a tendency to be really focused on very complex. Uh, medium to full-bodied cigars are generally the type of things that float our boat. That from a sales standpoint, that what really sells has a tendency to be Connecticut wrapper, lighter uh, body, maybe not as full flavored. Is that does any of that impact your business at all? Or are you really yes, just in the yes, it does. In the more full um, to medium uh, side. No, we have from mild to extra full. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you the way the the industry's been going for the last three years or so. You know, it's really more finesse. Mm-hmm. So as the palates develop, um, you know, the cigars are really medium. In that range, maybe right. a little bit lower than medium, maybe a little bit over medium. The super full cigars, you know, in some cases it's a nicotine drip. Right. You know, so I've you know, had we, those. I know, you know what you're we, talking about. We have, you know, we have the capability of having super strong lejero, mm-hmm. and then we also have this other component that's called medio tiempo. Medio tiempo is a leaf that's at the top of the plant or the corona. It's very scarce. Wow. So out of 10,000 bales we may use with tweezers and take out these little leaves called medio tempo. It's very strong, but very linear. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we get probably 80 bales out of 10,000 that we look at. And it's just a byproduct because it's not something you sell. But, the, you know, what's been created, there's been, um, you know, buzz created in the market for this medio tempo. The Cubans call medio tiempo pesado, which means heavy, mm-hmm. or maduro, which means dark. Right. But it's super strong leaf. Interesting. But the other thing in the business is that, you know, from time to time, you know, I'll smoke like a super strong cigar. We all know what mm-hmm. they are. Yeah, yeah. But it's like maybe 5% of the smoking spectrum, but they have the reputation that are super strong. They make you sweat. Sure. In the business, you know, a lot of times what you find is that that tobacco leaf may not be fully cured so what you're Uh, smoking is nicotine right that's That's, why it's so strong that's right but that's i mean that's where you get the head rush you know you get all those things but really if a you know a strong cigar is a you know is (coughs) is really um you know based on the ligero that you use for example the ligero in este leaf for us Mm -hmm. black volcanic soil 
is very strong. Right. The medio tiempo is even stronger. And but so you can't you can't use medio tiempo by itself. You would have to use it with viso or seco, whatever your blend is. And so the more of that, obviously, that you use, the stronger that cigar is going to be. Yes, right? ligero. Yes, ligero yeah. is the strongest component in the plant. So uh, when you have something like there are cigars out there that are like, uh, you know, more ligero. Uh, Tobacco. Yeah, I mean, the, they're they're right. They're designed to just be like make you sweat type Power of cigars, house. right? Well, let's get back to marketing. Yeah. Okay. Right. right. You know, cigar may be touted as being, you know, so much lejero. Right. But when you smoke it, you realize, oh, wait a minute, this is like a little bit above medium. What's going on? <laughs> I, you know, I need to put my thinking cap on and get back to being trying to be a marketeer. Right. You know. Well, all but right. you have, so. you know, you have those other cigars that are really strong, mm-hmm. and they're done correctly. Right. But that's really not the majority of the market. Right. The majority you know, of the market's going to be medium and and maybe even a little under. You right? know, from a business perspective, I mean, we're sitting here talking about cigars in the business. You know, what you really want is you want you know, you want the customer to not smoke one cigar and be satisfied. Right. You want you them want to them smoke back five more. cigars and, you know, experience, you know, kind of the, the journey. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, you know, that's why JFR is so popular. All right. You know, because it's grade A tobacco leaf. It's a very good value price cigar. And we just sell a ton of it. I love you it. Know? Yeah, it's a high uh, price for its quality. On we are going to take a break. We'll be back to taste more beer and to taste some tequila and talk a little bit about marketing cigars. It's smoking and toasting. Welcome back to Smoking and Toastin'. This is the program that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. Brought to you by our good friends, the Bacon Guys. Actually, they're, no, they're so much more than the Bacon Guys. We're just fixated it, on that bacon appetizer. Bacon and bacon? It should. It should. B&B Butchers and Restaurant uh, in Houston and Washington Ave and in the shops at Clear Fork uh, in Fort Worth. And if you go and do not try the bacon appetizer... It had better be because you're vegetarian, because otherwise you have no excuse. That's <laughs> Paul, all I'm I don't know if you've been to this place, but it's, yes. the bacon appetizer comes out with this bacon that's like it's, over a quarter inch thick slab. It's just wonderful. And then it's covered in blue cheese, and it just, yeah, it's just And amazing. drizzled with this the, truffle, the truffle oil. Butter, oh, yeah. my God. It's, it's one of the finer things in life, I have to say. Oh, there's one of the finer things in life. I love that sound. That was a good the sound. The cork coming out of the tequila. So, uh, so we're tasting a, a little bit of tequila here. Are you a, a tequila guy, Paul? You like tequila? You know, I, um, <laughs> I probably during college I had I went to more tequila parties than I yes. should have. Yes, I understand. So was, only, it, was it really good tequila at your college? Parties? You know, it was it was anything. We were all on a budget. You know, <laughs> college it's but all about quantity. I, yeah, yes. but I also mm-hmm. you know I also worked for about three years in Mexico, mm-hmm. and there at all the meetings. You had a cigar that defined the length of the meeting, whether it was a robusto, whether it was a church oh, or whatever. That's brilliant. And, brilliant yeah. and then, that's brilliant. And then the you know the uh, you know the person you were meeting with, he um, you had a like a tall shot glass, skinny shot glass of what's called vampiro, which is like a salty tomato juice, mm-hmm. and then the next mm-hmm. glass with tequila. Mm-hmm. So you would sip and smoke cigars during these meetings, you know. Nice. So to answer your question. Today, really, the only tequila that I drink, if I drink any, is the um, Herradura Reposado. Mm-hmm. It has okay. kind of an anise taste to yes, it. Yes, yeah, I know yeah. what you're talking and about. it's very yep, good. Yep, it's very good. We'll, we'll have to see how you like this. This is titanium. 
And uh, to be honest, I bought it because I'd never heard of it before. It's like it was one of those, you know, every now and then you'll be in the store. You're like, well, this this brand must be new or it must be new to me because I've never uh, bought it before. And this is the Hill, And uh, so we're sampling it uh, now. Ian, first, it first smells the really nice. I, my thought when I when I first smelled it was it smells like tequila. Yeah, that's, that's neither good nor bad, by the way. I There's, mean, you you want it to smell. I like get tequila, a lot of vanilla profile on the nose. On though. the nose, yes, yes. Right there, a lot of vanilla, and then of course that traditional uh, agave tequila smell. Well, I will tell you on first sip, <coughs> it's pretty smooth. I mean, you want obviously the whole idea behind going for the añejo instead of the uh, reposado or the blanco is uh, is. Generally for smoothness, with it aging longer mm-hmm. uh, in the barrels, you feel you feel like it would get a little <laughs> bit smoother. This <coughs> is not as smooth as the Skelly, which is sort of the gold standard of añejo smooth smoothness, together, yeah. but uh, but it is pretty smooth. And it's I, good. I'm, I'm enjoying the flavor. I like the peppery aftertaste to mm-hmm. it. Like a, it's, it's got a very distinct black pepper kind of aftertaste to it that's just there, and then it's gone. It doesn't it, linger. It it's doesn't, not spicy. It's just there. Yeah, it doesn't seem like you would combine vanilla and pepper, but this is, but they do combine in this. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of like the aftertaste yeah. on this one. This is nice. Yeah, you're right. The the black pepper comes on pretty pretty strong, but then fades almost immediately, which keeps it. Uh, which keeps well, it, it keeps it from leaving a spicy linger. Right. It leaves a tequila linger, but not a spicy linger, which and is nice. And while this has some heat, it's not one of those, oh my God, it's still burning down my throat sort mm-hmm. of uh, sort of heat. The heat the heat fades, you know, relatively quickly. You're not which, sitting there going, smooth. Yeah. <laughs> which, again, is what makes these things dangerous, you know, when you're... Uh, when you're uh, when your tequila goes down too smoothly, you could be in trouble. You ready to back that up? Yeah, with let's the next let's go beer? ahead. Let's go ahead and try the next beer, and then we'll get back to talking cigars here a little bit with Paul. Mm-hmm. So surprisingly enough, you brought in an IPA. Yes, I know this will shock you, but um, I got all excited because Ballast Point. Uh, who we love, we've had on the show before. They're uh, uh, they're great craft brewers. They have a brand new IPA, and these days, you know, unless you're Stone, because they come out with a uh, Stone Brewing comes out with a new IPA about every other month. Yes. Um, but unless you're those guys, you really don't see just a new IPA. This is not a. Uh, they do have a quite a few IPAs a, in their profile, though. At Ballast Point, yeah, Ballast yes, Point, they do. Yeah, yeah they have uh, IPAs of various different. But this one doesn't have uh, the last several IPAs they've come out w- with have been. Things that were sessionable or grapefruit or, uh, you know, had, you know, something additional added. This just says Fathom IPA, and it's got a deep sea diver on the front, and you're tasting it, so I want to know what you think. I want to tell you that this, with the, like, backing mm-hmm. up the tequila, yeah. is pretty amazing together, it actually. It really is, isn't it? <laughs> just, uh, there's something about that that like, just. Those two wow, things, yeah, you just. We've randomly... stumbled onto a pairing, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> and it's interesting because we were going to taste this um, uh, this IPA in the last segment, and then the tequila in this segment. And you know we got to talking tobacco, and we didn't we didn't get to the tasting, and that's fine. So uh, I just thought, well, let's do the tequila first, since we were going to do them both together in this tasting, and thus the pairing was born. Well, if yes. you like citrusy IPAs, and I know you do, mm-hmm. this is going to be a brilliant beer for you. Yes, There's it is so much. It's not super like, it's not like uh, the some of the citrusy IPAs are so citrus forward. This one I find being uh, is a little more subtle. This you is more citrus that? linger, and it's more of the uh, the zest of the grapefruit, mm. almost. See now I'm thinking this tequila, 
and this beer. Wonder which one of these cigars. <laughs> I hate that we uh, are not on location today and we can't uh, uh, we can't enjoy these cigars. Um, do you have? I, I know people pair cigars, Paul, with with spirits quite regularly, and it's becoming a little more common to pair cigars and craft beer. Is that something? Have you got anybody at your company that's uh, that's waving that flag? Is that is that not a, with cra- not with craft beer? Not with craft beer. Yeah, you know, typically on the spirit side, it would be Scotch, bourbon, rum. Scotch, bourbon, and rum. Yeah. Yep, and, and then and, when when you blend, it's it's different as well. Right. You know. Right. It's it's really interesting to me. Anytime we can have someone on who really kind of specializes in pairings, we love to do that because that's just one of those. Again, it's almost the the art, not the science uh, side of all of this. I think I just knocked the camera completely off course. Now everyone's looking at me sideways. <laughs> now everyone's looking at the side of your headphones, Ian. <laughs> uh, no, the uh, but but to me that is so interesting. The whole uh, the whole concept of of pairings and how it works and and. I just love the fact that there's really no way to do it other than trial and error, which yeah. I love. You know. Yeah. To to add to the pairing, uh, a couple years ago we co-branded with Abelauer. Real nice. Abelauer. Mm-hmm. Abelauer. Mm-hmm. Abelauer. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I have their um, album on my shelf right now. That's their yes. cast strength. So nice. what? So what we paired with was uh, the Casa Fernandez um, Toro. Which was a top twenty-five cigar and aficionado mm-hmm. with the abunda, nice. And uh, you know, a couple of drops would open up the abunda, yeah, and it was yeah. fantastic. Yeah. But we uh, we paired. You know, we had an uh, you know an ad, a joint ad, and it was great. That's wow. awesome. We I love got, that. We, yeah, we all got together, and abunda was the choice. One know? of the things I love to do, and uh, we've we've kind of coined the term the uh, whiskey sniff, is I'll start a cigar, and I'll usually. Get the cigar going, get about a half inch into it, sometimes a little more, and get that flavor profile really well in my palate. Then I'll go inside and I'll open up my whiskeys and just start smelling them. And you'll smell the ones that go well with that yeah, cigar. Yeah, they'll, they'll pair right up. It makes almost an instant pairing every time. I've had very few failures in that. Uh, whiskeys work the same way. Um, but uh, that's one of my favorite things to do. Like if I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have a, a you know, some kind of scotch and a cigar. That's 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 how I pair them up. I pick my cigar the and then go sniff. pick the, the scotch sniff. after I get yeah. And we're <laughs> gonna be we're gonna be turning the whiskey sniff into a bona fide cigar event. Uh, that's gonna be coming in uh, in the spring in the that's early spring. Be so fun. we're really excited. We're gonna give uh, listeners a chance to come together. Uh, have uh, you know maybe uh, maybe some hors d'oeuvres, some you know some food to eat, and then we will uh, pass out cigars, and then the whiskey bottles will be opened, and probably you know some rum and and other spirits as well, just to make sure everybody's taken care of, and then people can light their cigars, smoke like the first half inch, like you were saying, and then smell the bottles and decide what they want to pair, how they how they want to pair it up. So I think... Uh, I think it's a pretty fun experience. Sounds like an annual tradition to me. <laughs> don't, you, don't you like it? <laughs> Paul uh, Palmer is, uh, is our uh, special guest today. He is the president of Casa Fernandez, uh, based out of Miami, Florida, but with... Uh, with uh, factories also in Nicaragua, and um, you are um, you were talking about marketing of cigars. Um, what uh, what is the what do you think is the um, the difference between? Uh, let me let me ask the question a different way. There are great cigars that don't have a lot of money spent on marketing, but they have great like word of mouth and the guys in the shops will recommend that you try them and and then there's the cigars that uh that 
you know, have the big budgets that they're able to spend a lot of money and they also make a good product. But which do you um, which do you think is a better path in the long term for uh, for a company like yours? Would you rather have guys in the humidors of cigar shops recommending you one by one or would you rather have if you could choose one or the other would you rather have a big check to spend on marketing and you know magazines and, and other places which which is more effective do you think uh, well first and foremost from a marketing perspective is brand awareness mm-hmm. you know that's first and foremost otherwise people are going to walk by you in the humidor exactly right mm-hmm. um you know ratings you know for whatever you say are important mm-hmm. you know the top the top uh, 25 the top 20 for the if year. you're able to land some cigars in there yes, that's a big deal very right? important yeah but you know kind of getting that information out uh is a challenge mm-hmm. you know uh yeah you can't do generally billboards and things like that you know what um you know when we first when we first launched um you know, a cigar business, we were doing rolling events two months at a time wow. because we bought this company that was kind of dysfunctional, had a great reputation, was one of the high flyers, you know, in the boom. But, you know, we had to, you know, relaunch the right. different brands. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I can say that, you know, one of our challenges has been brand awareness. Right. So however you get there. Right. You know, you can get there through, you know, printed media, through, you know, blogs, talk shows or whatever. Mm-hmm. But getting that, you know, getting that awareness is key towards selling your product. Casa Fernandez, because they do make great cigars. Yeah. Thank and you. We'll be back to talk about them uh, just a little more in our final segment. Plus, tasting something I brought just for you, Ian. I don't even know what it is. Welcome back to Smoking and Toasting. This program's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We are uh, really uh, thrilled and excited. I love when we have a guest on uh, on the show who not only represents a great line of products, but who also is really knowledgeable about how, industry, how all of yeah. this works and how the industry works. Because I love learning these things. And uh, Paul uh, Palmer, the president of Casa Fernandez, uh, is here in the studio with us. And, you know, you guys are responsible for not only some very good, very well-respected blends of your own, but also for uh, working as some, uh, someone who's uh, selling cigar leaves uh, from from your uh, various farms and, and plantations that you have uh, to other cigar uh, people and, and even making some cigars, correct, for, for, for certain uh, distributors. Um, which, which of those things is more rewarding? Is it, is it your in-house brands that, that really warm your heart? And, and is that more or less profitable than the side where you're providing uh, all this great tobacco to other people? Well, I think, you know, the most rewarding aspect of cigar manufacturing is when, you know, you get rave reviews from the end user, from mm-hmm. the smoker. So with that, um, it's almost almost a bigger deal when it's your own cigar because it, you've been a part of the whole process, right? Well, I mean, we manufacture some of the biggest famous brands in the business. Right. So whether it's those cigars that we've participated in blending with our Aganorsa Leaf tobacco, which is very unique, mm-hmm. or whether it's our own, 
you know, uh, products at Casa Fernandez that we market, um, you know, it's that customer coming up to you and just saying, wow, what a great cigar. Mm. And then you see him at the next show or the next visit, yep. you know, a time later, and he goes, wow, what a great cigar. <laughs> <laughs> so You're then, right. I mean, you know, all money aside and everything else, I mean, you know, that's really, uh, that's really what kind of turns me on. That's, you know. That's you know, that's awesome. Yeah. No, it, it is. It, it's <clears throat> it's special when people appreciate this thing that you've put your uh, you know your emotions and your uh, your love into. You know, it's, it, it occurs to me like uh, one of the things tying into that is a little bit of brand loyalty. What I find, I love exploring. Like some people find a couple things they like. They go in a cigar shop. That's what they always buy. Mm-hmm. I explore. I, I like to if I find something if I try one like I've tried this lunatic which I think is a great cigar which leads me to trying your other brands mm-hmm. that are going to be the same uh, same quality as what I would expect from them and different things like um, and I always find that interesting if I see that this blend was really good and I enjoyed that I I'll just pick up a few others of the same you know from the same house so to speak. And uh, and try those, and I'll expect you know I'll expect that same quality. Well, I will say too that I have I have always been a you know I want to try everything guy, mm-hmm. but lately I've noticed I've locked more into like just a handful of things that I've gone okay this one works for me every time, and started buying boxes you right. know, instead of just because a usual trip to the cigar store for me over the years has been go in, buy a whole bunch of singles, you know, maybe uh, uh, maybe if there's a promotion going on, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and work with that. But now I'm finding, like, you know, uh, that cigar I love so much, I want to make sure I've always got more than one or two of those in the humidor at home. You know what I mean? Right. And, and so that's kind of shifted for me really over the last year or so. Uh, which is kind of interesting because as we do the show, obviously we we try to try a whole bunch of different things. So we'll generally talk about at least one cigar specifically on every show that we've had or that we're smoking during the show if we're on location. So that does keep me, you know, continually trying new things. But um, yeah, I'm I'm becoming maybe more of a, a creature of habit. I'm I'm a little curious. This question just popped into my head. At your house, how big is your human? Uh, <laughs> like how many cigars do you keep on hand at the house? Well, I really don't smoke at home. Oh, that's interesting. It's work. Because you smoke at work. Well, I, you know, I, um, I make sure that I rest my palate. Right. Hopefully two days a week. Now, if Mm. I'm on the the road or, you know, I just got back from the big, big smoke in Vegas, it's like a -a smoke-a-thon. That was, yes. All those things being equal, you know, when we get the container of 250,000 cigars in Miami, you know, my palate has to be on point to where I'm when I'm trying XYZ, it's like spot on. Right. You know, so for that reason, I don't really smoke at home. Huh. That's fascinating. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and I've often wondered about that. You know, um, uh, you know, we had Rocky Patel on the show when we were out there, and I happened to see him the next day in the bar, and I didn't like you know bother him or anything he was there with some people that he knew but i did see him actually light a cigar up and i thought about that i thought okay if you if this is your business if you're here at the big smoke you're on business you've probably been smoking cigars the whole time and now you've got this you know couple hours while you're waiting to you know load up and go to the airport or whatever would you light a cigar just for enjoyment on in that kind of a situation absolutely and and but, but you Absolutely. would because i mean would. i you know i don't 
you know, with the exception of a venue like this, I don't really drink at events. Right, right. Um, but I'm constantly trying stuff. Right. So, so something, you know, something's in the back of my mind. I go, oh, you know what? I, uh, you know, I tweaked that a little bit. So I, I went from yeah, this lot to this could, yeah. lot. <laughs> and then, you know, I will get, you know, I, I'll just kind of get antsy. So, so I'll try that cigar. From uh, from this side of the spe- of the, uh, uh, of, of the consumer side going out to the big smoke was a blast we had a great time there was so much smoking going on oh man. i love walking through a hotel where no one even looks at you twice when you're smoking a cigar <laughs> you went to the big smoke vegas yeah yes all right yeah we had a great time my question is how much how much work versus fun is that for you it's work it's just work it's work because you're you know you're meeting and greeting yeah. you you know it's a lot of showmanship um you know it's work but on the other hand, it's you know it's part of getting your cigars out there, and um, you know letting people know what you do. You know, we often we have a saying around here, and uh, you can probably understand this well enough to maybe translate it to something in your industry. But we like to say that the worst day of doing this beats the best day of working for Clear Channel, <laughs> and and you know that we I mean we we mean that and we live by that. Uh, but I'm sure you could probably find some sort of a parallel, like the worst day of of working with tobacco and cigars would have to beat the best day of something else yeah. that you could be doing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I would imagine so. Um, I'm. We're gonna open one more beer, and I, I think we should do that now, Ian. I brought this one for you. It's it's wax top covered, and it's from a a Houston area uh, brewery that's really it is fragrant, getting a lot of respect these days. Uh, it's Buffalo Bio uh, Brewing Company, and this is from their bomber. This is their uh, gingerbread stout. And it looks it looks like you. used motor oil. It does, and it probably has in a about, delicious kind of way. It probably has about the same viscosity. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty close. Would be my guess, but you can smell the the gingerbread right away. Yeah, uh, Adam <laughs> really saying can. he'll take one. A- Adam needs one too. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, this is a very interesting <laughs> beer, and then this is their 2017. So they make this every year. Yep. But every year it's a little bit different. I understand, kind of like Anchors. Uh, uh, Christmas, Christmas beer, Which, by uh, the Christmas way, is great this year. Oh boy, it's good. I didn't think last year maybe my all-time favorite, but this year's is good too. I'm, I'm loving the uh, yeah. the the drawings that Buffalo Bayou does. Yeah, on they're there. really good with this. Oh, and you have to read the uh, uh, the little inscription there on the side of the bottle. It that says the "Government dedication. Warning." According, no, oh, not, not that, that one. one. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it says, but it says "Gingerbread Stout," Buffalo Bayou Brewing Company, gingerbread stout. This is brewed in homage to all the gingerbread men and women who lost their gundrop buttons in the war against child sadness. Oh, do you know see? the gingerbread man? I do know the gingerbread man. The gingerbread man? Yeah, he ran off with the tooth fairy, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm going to say that I've had some gingerbread stouts before. And this one, do you understand what I mean if I say it tastes a little more authentic? Like it, it <coughs> tastes like more than just a stout with gingerbread flavoring. It kind of tastes like a gingerbread cookie. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know what, though? They they didn't sacrifice the integrity of the beer, I think, in this one. Yes. Um, it's a good stout to start with, and it has gingerbread mm-hmm. in it. Now, so. Paul, do you ever drink this this type of a, of a beverage at all? Is this something you would you would try or sample? We I know may you're be not torturing a, him. He said he's not, not much of well, a craft beer yeah, I know you're not a craft beer guy. So is something like this just completely like foreign to your palate? or uh? Foreign because I don't do it. Right, right. I mean... Uh, you know, I like a lot of bourbon. I like some scotch. Mm-hmm. I like a lot of rum. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's mm. not to say that, you know, I, I, you know, some of the beers, like, I, I really like grapefruit. 
So that one mm-hmm. beer that was that, really citrusy. The, uh, ballast point, yeah. Yeah, that, that one beer that was really citrusy was enjoyable for me. Yeah. As far as smoking cigars, you know, the citrus aspect of it would probably, you know, not go well yeah. with the cigar. Same as like a gin with all the botanicals doesn't go well. Right. Mm-hmm. Not, so. a, not as easy to pair. Although I will say, as a person that likes IPAs, the trend of the more citrusy IPAs has helped me a little bit in pairing those beers with cigars because the citrus will sometimes count, sometimes counteract the bitterness of the hops. And that bitterness of the hops, I have trouble with that sometimes ruining the cigar flavor for me. Even if it's a taste that I really like in the beer, uh, it, it doesn't pair as well. And the citrus will sometimes give it just enough of a, of a twist that I can that I can pair it up, but generally speaking, it's more beers like this uh, this oatmeal stout that or the uh, the gingerbread stout. I'm sorry that that are a little easier to pair. Well, if you with just drink cigars. porters and stouts and wee heavies like I do, you don't ever have trouble See, pairing then, cigars. Then you're then you're okay. I know, I know, <laughs> I understand this. You know what else pairs, by the way? And I found this for like whenever I'm out, fat tire uh, th- from. Um, from the company in Colorado, I can't, I New can't, Belgium. From New Belgium, thank you. Uh, that is a wonderful beer to pair with cigars. When you There's get, something about that chocolatey aftertaste that it has. It has that, that biscuit kind of uh-huh. and bread totally and chocolate. Works. Yeah, it's, it's yep, that's totally a good works. beer. The mm-hmm. other the other thing that pairs, I yeah, again, I'm not a beer drinker, but what I what I drink um, is the Bass Ale, the dark. Yeah, one. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's called Bass Ale, right? Yes, uh-huh. Bass Ale. Yes. As far as cigars. It's a home run. Uh, yeah. See, there you go. It's a home run. I, I, I love run. that. And we that's not a pairing we've ever talked about. So I No, it's not. Always picking up new stuff, and we love that. Uh, Paul, I have to say, I'm a, uh, a bit of a fanboy. I love the Miami line. I love the JFRs, and I'm really excited about trying um, trying some of these that uh, that you brought along. And thank you for, for these that are, um, that are ones that we haven't tried yet. But I just appreciate what I feel like is the integrity of, of the way you guys uh, blend Thank your you. tobaccos, it it really feels like your consistency and your dedication to craft uh, is really paying off. Plus, you grow some damn fine tobacco. So, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for uh, spending this time with us. We uh, encourage people to uh, check out your cigars and try them. We'll have links to everything uh, in all of the show notes. And uh, we're excited about uh, about having you on. Thank Great. you so much, Paul. Thank you, and thank you for having me. Thank you. Smoking a Toast, and we're brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant in Houston and now in Fort Worth. Have a great week, my friends, and uh, Ian. Cheers. 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 Paul, cheers. Thank you so much. It was an honor. Cheers to the gingerbread man. The gingerbread man. (laughs) (laughs) 